Ciao, my name is Umberto Mucci and this is with Italian News, a podcast about Italy during coronavirus times. Today is Thursday, April 28, 2022. <clears throat> As it was easy to assume, in these days Italy registered an increase in contagions due to the Easter period. Many Italians traveled, met with their families and, as is obvious, had a greater opportunity to become infected, meeting a greater number of people. Nothing dramatic. The important numbers are those of deaths and intensive care, and those have not increased, but they also continue to remain more or less similar. They do not go down as fast as one could hope. Today, the Italian government will decide on the new rules in force from May 1st. Most likely, it will remain the obligation of masks in public transport, in hospitals and nursing homes, and in workplaces, public offices and schools. The obligation of wearing a mask in shops, supermarkets and malls will probably stop at the end of April. Also, it is almost certain that uh, we will have to wear masks for another 30 days in cinemas, theaters and for all indoor shows such as concerts as well in, uh, as in sports halls and discos except when dancing. <clears throat> the Green Pass certificate will no longer be required for any activity except hospital visits. The vaccination requirement will remain in effect until June 15 for teachers and school personnel, law enforcement and generally all citizens 50 and older. And speaking of Covid, after a week, Mario Draghi has finally tested negative for the virus. The head of the government is already back to work. Soon he will be in Kiev and then on May 10 in Washington DC for a meeting with US President Biden in which Ukraine will be at the top of the agenda. Speaking of Ukraine, the estimate of the costs of the war for Italy has just been communicated a bill of 16 billion euros on the GDP of 2022, to which are added at least 3.5 billion euros on the product of next of this year, next year. It is 0.9 points of GDP this year and 0.2 next year. And these are the costs already certain, but the concrete and very likely risk is that in the very likely case of prolongation of the conflict, Italy must pay a bill for another 26 billion euros. Cumulating the effects of the two-year period 2022 and 2023, the GDP would be reduced by more than 2.5 percentage points. This bill includes military spending, economic aid sent to Ukraine, the cost of welcoming and helping refugees, and all the costs due to the interruption of trade in raw materials, the sale of Italian products, tourism and energy costs, inflation and the worsening of the world financial situation, which for Italy also means more interest on our debt to be refinanced. These are also the predictions of the International Monetary Fund, which fears that all European countries are destined for a war-related recession. In the meantime, Russia started to stop sending its gas to two European countries, Poland and Bulgaria, because it demands that its gas be paid in rubles, despite the fact that the signed contracts say that it should be paid in euros or dollars. After this decision, the price of gas has risen a lot and Europe thinks that this is just the beginning of the interruption of gas supplies because no European country has agreed to pay in rubles. In 2021, the EU imported 45% of its gas from Russia. In this trade if this trade stops, the main difficulty for Europe will be to harmonize European energy policies and dependencies that now are very different and disconnected from each other. 
Germany is the one that imports the most in percentage from Russia. The second is Italy, but the import of Russian gas to Italy has reduced by 50% in a year. This means that we started this reduction well before the war in Ukraine. Our country has already been in a state of pre-alert since the first days of the war in Ukraine and started immediately to take action to approach this emergency. Italy is storing gas in view of the cold periods when it will be needed more. It is investing to increase the domestic production of gas and to increase the share of energy produced by alternative methods. It has made agreements to increase the gas coming from other countries. It has planned the reduction of energy consumption in public offices and Italy is preparing, if it should be needed, also for hypotheses of having to impose a reduction in consumption for industrial use and for private use in the homes of Italians for heating and cooking. But before the hypothetical interaction of Russian gas imports, it is almost certain that Europe will stop importing oil from Russia, as it has already done with, with coal, and not by, not by Putin's choice. It will be the EU that probably at the end of this week will announce the stop, as, the stop of uh, uh, oil importation as part of new sanctions against Russia. Up to now, the share of oil that the EU imported from Russia was 25%, and of course, this will also have its weight on the economies of the European countries. <coughs> Speaking of alternative energy production, Italian innovation in the circular economy is proving once again to be a winner. A Sardinian company has de developed a way to use beer production waste to make gas, while also reducing the environmental impact of disposing of the brewing industry byproduct. Estimates predict an 80% savings in utility bills, and these days an experimental gasifier is scheduled to be inaugurated to use this waste, which at best would be used as animal feed and at worst would flow into landfills. <coughs> it should be, rem should be remembered that Sardinia produces one of the most appreciated and trendy Italian beers, Icnusa. And still talking about energy, an agreement has been signed for the construction of a large distributor of green hydrogen with which to, with, with which to supply Italy and Europe. The first clean hydrogen production center will be built, will be built in southeastern Sicily, between Catania and Siracusa, to be used as early as 2023 in the energy transition of an industrial scale and without CO2 emissions. Sicily thus will soon be the most advanced European laboratory in one of the technologies that should mark in the coming years the process of decarbonization. <clears throat> the main goal is to reduce the production costs of green hydrogen, since at this time, in this moment, the blue one produced through the use of gas is more convenient. Past and future come together. The facility will be in Carlentini, a small town famous for its very taste red oranges, uh, very tasty red oranges and that boasts of Renaissance ancestry, having been founded by Charles V. Sicily already hosts the largest plant for the production of photovoltaic panels in Europe with an all made in Italy technology. A revolution has just been decided in Italy, long overdue and necessary. The Italian Constitutional Court ruled yesterday that all the Italian rules requiring children to be given automatically only their father's surname are unlawful. The ruling by Italy's top court refers to children born to married and unmarried parents, as well as those who are adopted. The court defined rules that automatically assign the father's surname to children as discriminatory and harmful to the identity of the child. Children should be given the surnames of both parents in the order agreed on by the parents. If they cannot decide on the order of the surnames, the decision will be up to a judge. 
The child's parents may also decide by mutual agreement to assign the surname of just one or the other. New legislation to be approved by the Italian Parliament in the coming weeks or maybe months will be required to implement the court's decision. Still talking about equality between men and women, it'll be the father to take care of the two children of Samantha Cristoforetti, the first Italian female astronaut who, since yesterday, is back on the International Space Station for a new mission of the European Space Agency. The astronaut spoke about her husband Lionel and how he is a point of reference for their two children. A trivial ordinary statement, but in today's Italy, a lot of fuss has been made by the fact that the mother goes into space for six months while the father remains to take care of the children. Astro Samantha, as the Italian media call her, is a true superstar. She is 45 years old, she is a mother of two children, she has brilliantly passed the many tests to become the first Italian female astronaut. She speaks Italian, English, French, German and Russian, and she is learning Chinese. She has three degrees. She is the first astronaut to document a mission from space on social media TikTok. In a previous mission in space, she broke the record for the longest stay in space for a woman with 199 days. In this mission, she will get out of the spaceship for a spacewalk. Samantha is such a global icon that, icon that she even has a Barbie doll dedicated to her. And today, together with her three American colleagues who left with her from Cape Canaveral, she represents a real hope for humanity, as they were welcomed with great friendship by the three Russian astronauts who have been on the International Space Station for a month. The International, International Space Station at this moment seems to be the only place where Russians get along perfectly with Americans and Europeans. The icing on the cake is that Samantha Cristoforetti has also specialized in the United States as a war pilot on NATO fighter jets. What a woman, what an Italian, better, what an Italian woman. It's all for now, it's all for today. My friends, please stay safe and take care. Thanks for listening and watching. My name is Umberto Mucci, this was with Italian News. I'll see you next Monday. Ciao from Rome.